Good to have you to join us today for worship. And we know still we're coming live and virtually to you, but yet we trust that, that everybody is doing well and uh, life is good. Well, the message today and the theme of our message today is about refreshment. And we hope that, that through this time and this period that we're going through, that we all have discovered something great. There's a great opportunity we have before us to spend some time and refresh ourselves in our relationship uh, to Father God. And so we trust that today you will find that as a message of hope and a message of, of kind of a motivation as you move forward from this day forward. But again, we thank you for tuning in and we trust again as everyone is well. And hopefully sooner than later, we'll be back together to worship as a church body. But yet still at the same time, we recognize that today is the day in which we, we worship God because this is the day that the Lord has made and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me pray with you as we begin our time together in worship and recognize the goodness of Father God. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning that you've given us, a time to where we can come together virtually all over the area and worship together as a body in Christ. I thank you that the church is the people and not a building, and yet we thank you that your presence is with us and each and every one of us right where we are right now. And Father, may all that we do in this service and this time together be that which brings glory and honor and praise to you, recognizing you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And again, thank you uh, for allowing us to be your children. In your name that we pray. Amen. The big 
is verse 19. And in verse 19 of Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to move forward in our thoughts from this message. So I want to read that passage and maybe give you a little time as you flip through your scripture and your Bible and, and begin to kind of follow along with me in Acts chapter 3 verses 11 through 25. 
Verse 11. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all of the people, greatly amazed, ran toward them and was what was called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses uh, to this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers, I know that you did in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. But what God predicted through the mouth of all of the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer, he has fulfilled in this way. And here's the focal verse. Therefore, repent and turn back that your sins may be wiped away. And yet, he goes on to say, so that the seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And he may send Jesus, whom has been appointed Messiah for you. Heaven must welcome him until the times of restoration of all these things which God spoke about by the mouth of his holy prophets from the beginning. And you know, this passage of Scripture is obviously where Peter is presenting a message to the people. And he's giving the facts. The facts is, he says to them, that you are the reason why Jesus Christ was crucified. And yet, you and I together are the reason why Jesus hung on the cross. And then he goes on to say, but you know, sin had no dominion over Christ because his crucifixion led to freedom and restoration and it led to the point in which uh, Jesus is uh, giving liberation and freedom to all the world. And yet, here in this passage, there is a key to all of this. The key is a time of refreshment. A time of realizing that we have refreshment from Christ when the blood of Christ covers all of our sin and inside us the DNA of the Lord Jesus takes up residence inside this temple and as a result of that, that residence of who he is and his spirit cleansing us provides refreshment and freedom and liberation. Well, that same refreshment and freedom and liberation happens every day in our life as we have relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we have a continual fellowship with him on a day-to-day -day basis. And when it's, when it's said and done, in the presence of that refreshment, we discover the mighty power and the awesomeness of the presence of God. And so my, the opening question to think about together 
is in finding refreshment. How can I find refreshment in God's presence as a believer? How can I find refreshment in God's presence today? As a believer, that refreshment is good. Now think of this. It's a hot day outside, and it's, it's 100 degrees. It's scorching heat. And, you know, shortly we're going to experience that because we live in such a warm climate. And think of this. You're sweaty. You're thirsty. You're, you, you need something to quench that thirst. And yet, you know, if you keep on going, you might overheat. So you know it's time to have a timeout. So you find a little bit of shade, and you begin to take in some water, and you begin to feel your body being refreshed as you take a time to just be still and allow that water to be consumed and absorbed all through your body. And then as you take a break, you notice the sweating slows down, and you don't feel as hot. Well, that's refreshment. But we're not talking about the outward body. We're talking about the inward body. We're talking about when you and I are so active that in a sense that we are spiritually sweating and we just can't have, we just can't have a father. And as a result of that, we feel his presence and we know who he is and we know where he is and we know exactly what he's doing. And as a result of that, we find ourselves at peace and before long that peace leads to refreshment. That's what we're talking about. Refreshment. But you know, Jesus is a master of example. One right after another, recorded all throughout the scriptures, is one example after another about how Jesus handled things. And one of those times in his life is he too needed refreshment. And so I want to talk about four examples that come from Jesus that gives us also ways in which we too can find refreshment. Well, obviously, number one, and I think this is probably in priority order, the other three may not be, but this particular first point is this, take a time to pray. Take a time to pray, and you're going to find that in Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses, verse 23. Now, I'm taking one scripture out of the context of an entire passage and yet, this is when Jesus is walking on water. That's the passage. But listen to what verse 23 of Matthew chapter 14 says. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now, this is our Lord. He dismisses the crowd. He takes away all those distractions. He takes away all those that are bidden for his time and attention. He takes away all those that are... That are, that are probably taking away his energy physically, he dismisses them and he realized in order to go any further, he had to have a time of prayer. And so he took the time to pray. So, so how do you and I find refreshment? Number one, you and I have got to take a time to pray. You cannot, will not, guaranteed, signed, sealed, and delivered. You will not, I cannot, no one can without prayer. Prayer is number one. So you and I have to take the time to pray. Well, the great news is when we take the time to pray all heaven silent, our Heavenly Father listens to His children, and he, we have His undivided attention, and He listens to us as we pray, and we begin to listen to Him as we become still in His presence. Well, the time of prayer leads to understanding the powerfulness of God's presence. And the powerfulness of that presence 
is like a hot day when you're overheated and you begin to drink a little bit of water and you find yourself refreshed. So you and I understand from Jesus, his example of how you and I must take a time to pray. What happens in prayer? It's where the heart of man meets the heart of God and the mind of man is transformed by the power of God. It's where the heart of mankind meets the heart of our Father. And as, as the process is happening, the mind of mankind is transformed by the power of God. So prayer is so vital to refreshment. Prayer is like that glass of water. In order to not overheat, in order to relax, in order to find your thirst quenched, prayer is that glass of water for your spiritual soul. Number two, in understanding from Jesus' example, number two, embrace the sinful. You say, wow, Pastor, that's crazy. You're talking about embracing the sin. I didn't say embrace the sin. I said embrace the sinful. Now, again, we're talking about Jesus' example. Jesus did just that. He was one who embraced the sinner. He embraced the sinful. He gave hope to those who did not, could not see hope. He gave direction to those who had no direction. He gave a, a vision to those who were blinded. All because he was sinless and the sinlessness going into the presence of the sinful transformed the sinful into understanding the sinlessness of Christ. Now, that was a long statement. I don't think I could repeat that, so I hope you got it. But embrace the sinful. And we find that in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 31. And in verse 27, it begins this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Now, you say, well, that's nothing, nothing unusual, but it is. The tax collectors in that day and time were the ones that knocked on your door to collect the taxes for the Roman government. And as, as a result of collecting those taxes, they not only took what the, the government wanted or needed, but they also many times took more than what was needed and pocketed. And people who didn't have much could not do much. And so they dreaded a tax collector. They dreaded that person because they know that they were a thief. And people did not associate with thieves. They did not associate with a person like a tax collector. But Jesus goes up to the man and says, come follow me. Now remember, Jesus is not embracing the sinfulness of the Levi or the tax collector. He's embracing the sinner who's all filled with that sin to hopefully get him to understand whom he's look, looking at and dealing with that of Jesus who is sinlessness. And so Jesus goes on, and scriptures goes on to say, then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him, for Jesus, at his house. Not only did Jesus say to Levi, come follow me, now Levi says, come into my house. Now there's a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with him. Now the problem is, not only is Levi the, the, the head, head honcho here of the great tax collector of tax collectors, He's now got a whole band and army of tax collectors. 
So not only is Jesus moving into a place of one sinfulness, He's now moving into a whole room sitting around the table, and it is a dirty event, spiritually speaking. Now there was a large crowd, I said, and were guests with them. But the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to His disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied to them, The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, if you're wanting to find refreshment, you got to take your eyes off yourself and begin to put your eyes on others. And by putting your eyes on others, I promise you, you're going to see the sinfulness in people's lives. Not as a judge, but as an indicator of a person's life that they're in need of the Lord God. And so we must embrace that sin, sinful person without embracing their sin. To help them come to a point like Jesus did, have a fellowship time with them, to begin to converse with them so that they can understand what we are offering in the claims and the message of Christ, a message that can change the mind, it can reorient the mind, it can retransplant the character, and it can provide a, a solace of, of life in a greater stance. And so Jesus gives us by example how you and I can find refreshment. Number one, we must pray. We've got to pray. We've got to spend time. And if you've got to lay yourself flat on the floor so that you can prostrate yourself flat on the floor in order to see God, then do that. Whatever method you've got to do to throw out all those distractions in your life so that you can have fellowship with God, do it and pray to it. And second of all, as you get up from your knees and for that time of refreshment of prayer, then be ready to embrace the people around you, even the people that don't smell the same as you, don't look the same as you, that don't talk the same as you, and you embrace them in who they are so that you can get them to see that their sinfulness needs to be counteracted by the sinlessness of Father God, of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the God of three. And number three, in the example of how to find refreshment, following the example of Jesus, is to empathize with the weak. To empathize with the weak, you'll find in John 21, I love John 21. John chapter 21 is probably one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. And there's many great passages in the Old Testament, that of Moses. I love the passages about Moses, especially the burning bush experience. But in the New Testament, I love John chapter 21. You know why? Because I'm the Peter here. You are as well. We all have failed Christ. We all know what it's like to look in the mirror and say, I cannot look at myself anymore because of the sin of my life and because of what I've done. I have denied Christ through my action, through my life, and I am no more useful to God, and I cannot ever do it again. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the seashore of our life, and he calls out our name, and we come to Jesus, and we realize that Jesus is embracing us for who we are, and Jesus empathizes with the weakness that we have, 
When we are weak, he is strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We realize those promises are there. And then we realize Jesus is empathizing with us that God understands our weakness. He doesn't condone our weakness. He understands where we are. He understands our failure. And he says, now listen, if you give me your heart, you give me your life, you give me your attention, you give me your motivation, you give me your direction, you give everything of you to me, I am going to empower you for Christian living, and I'm going to put you back on the shelf of usefulness and put you in an area where I can, that you can only shine for me. And that's exactly what he did for Peter. Because he goes up to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, I love you. In, verse, in chapter 21, in verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He basically uses the agape word, do you love me? Do you, do you philo me? That means, do you, do you like me as a brother? You know, and, and uh, when Jesus says, do you love me? But when Peter's answer, I'm sorry, says, yes, I philo you. I like you. I care for you. He doesn't use the same affectionate term that Jesus uses when he says, do you love me? Agape love. And then in verse, and then he says to him, then feed my sheep. When Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Verse 16, the second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you philo me? Kind of changes a little bit. Do you care for me? He's changing the, the uses of the word. And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I really care for you deeply. And he said, and shepherd my sheep. And Jesus kind of changed the whole thing when he says to Peter, then Peter, if you can't answer me honestly, and you can't be true to me as I'm being true to you, then you, do you just like me? And then Peter realizes, boom. He said, Jesus, I love you. I love you with my whole being. I love you with the agape love that you are. I love you with my heart, my soul, my mind, and all my strength. And Jesus says to him, then feed my sheep. In other words, he says, Peter, look past the sinfulness and the denial and all those feelings and emotions that you have within you that says you're not worthy to be my son. He said, look past all those things. I understand your weakness, but I am going to empower your weakness and I'm going to power you so that your weakness doesn't overpower you. I'm going to power you with a strength that's beyond measure. We know that's what happened in Peter's life. Because then you begin to look in the book of Acts and you start tracing it through the book of Acts and you'll see every day people were added. One by one were added unto the Lord. The church continued to grow and Peter became a great evangelist for all of Christianity until his death. Well, number four, not only take the time to pray, not only embrace the sinful, not only empathize, empathize with the weak, but number four is to treat others fairly. In Luke chapter 6, verse 30 through 31, it says, in verse 31, is, is, is probably where we understand what fairness really is. But in verse 30 of Luke chapter 6, it says, Give to everyone who asks from you, and from one who takes away your things. Don't ask for them back. And in verse 31, just as you want others to do to you, do the same for them. And so you understand the golden rule is to treat others fairly. Now there are times I know we all think, you know, he got what he deserved or she got what she deserved. You know, good riddance, great karma. We think those things. 
which is really a falsehood. And yet, our job is not to gloat in the misery of others, but to treat people fairly, to do unto them as we'd have them do unto us. Do you want to be slapped in the face in a physical way? Surely not. So why would you want to slap someone else? Spiritually speaking, do you want to be uh, considered despondent? Are to be considered a nobody in God's eyes? Surely not. So why would you want God to be a nobody in your eyes? So treat others fairly. Do not judge them, but to love them. It's probably one of the hardest things to do in life when we are treated unfairly and yet we are at, at the opposite end of the, the scope. We're being commissioned and called to treat them Fairly, regardless of how we're treated. Because we're wanting to treat others the way we ourselves are wanting to be treated. And so if you want love, then give love. If you want hate, then start hating. If you want misery, then enact misery. But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says to love even the loveless. To help those or even those who don't even know they need help. To be Christ to them even when they're not asking for you to be. To treat others fairly. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So how can I find refreshment in God's presence? I say it's follow Jesus' example. Spend time in prayer. Embrace the sinful. Empathize with the weak. And treat others fairly. It will be the greatest victory that you have in your life today, when you get to that point and you say to yourself, you know, today I've done the best job I could in dealing with other people. I began my day in a right way because I spent time in prayer to God. I got my orders today from God. I got empowered from God. And I'm ready to do whatever He's called me to do as His evangelist, His missionary, as His child in the world around me by embracing the sinful, embracing the sinner in their life, empathizing with the weakness of their life, and treating them fairly. Why? So that they can get back to a point of where, or get to a point that they realize the love and the power and the might of holy God. So that they can understand salvation. That they can understand victory in their life. That they can understand that Jesus has come to bring abundant life and not a life of misery. To give the promise of abundant life today, instilled within in each of us the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the future. So let me ask you this. What will you decide about your own refreshment today? What will you decide about your own refreshment today? Only you can do it. As much as we we all would like to hold our, each other's hands and drag us to the altar. We just can't do it. It has to come deep within. So, what will you decide about your time of refreshment today? Will you make a commitment, first of all, to say, God, I want to, I want to, I want to live in your presence. I want to love that presence. I want to know that presence. I want to be empowered by that presence. Then, you and I together must commit to that time of prayer and time of refreshment so that we can be used by God. So today, I offer you hope.
I offer you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. <laughs> to say yes to your, your relationship, your fellowship to God. To say yes that God is about to do something great in my life. To say something to the fact that, to God, that, that by answering that question of saying, you know, I, I decide today to, to commit to this refreshment, what you're doing is you're, I think you're exciting God. Great. I think the, the angels of heaven are rejoicing when, when all of us make that commitment and say, man, here, here's another band of people who's excited about their relationship to our Heavenly Father. And as a result of that, um, many of us understand in that excitement the empowerment of God. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a simple way. If you want to understand powerful refreshment, then just drop to your knees and say, and hold your hands up in heaven and say, Father God, I give you my life. And I ask you to save me because I am a sinner. I need my sinfulness to be counteracted by the sinlessness of heavenly Jesus. There will be a tra transformation. If you're sincere, there will be a transformation on the inside. Or as a believer... You're saying, you know, Pastor, I, 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 haven't, I haven't really, in the last several months, I haven't really felt the presence of God. Well, God hasn't gone anywhere. And so we give you that challenge. The challenge is to say to God, God, I give you my heart today in a fresh new way because I want to experience the empowerment of your presence. Again, He's not going to deny you. Because the presence of God is ready to inundate the very being of where you are and who you are. So will you choose refreshment today so that your refinement can be greater and your refinement can be a victory in your life. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you that, that each of us have opportunity today to understand being refreshed in your presence and in your grace and in your love and that agape love that's powerful. Lord, I pray for, for your Holy Spirit right where everyone is at this very moment that their, their, their embodiment of their spiritual life will be invaded with the powerfulness of the supernatural, the presence of holy God right where they are and they can't help but utter to you. Thank you, Father, for refreshing me in your presence. Father, thank you for your care, your provision, and your holiness. In your name that we pray. Amen.